So my name is Troy Tier. I'm the executive pastor, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, pastor, uh, our pastor, David Burroughs, he's on vacation taking a little time off. And if you were here last week after his little human milk episode, you know he needs some time off. It's the first thing he said to me when he came out. He's like, I need some time off. And he did. And so uh, we hope he uh, recovers from all that. Uh, so, uh, you know, this week, you know, it's funny when you're working on a sermon um, and you don't do it all the time, you know, you got to kind of pull everything together. And so I had already picked a verse because David made everybody pick a verse early. And uh, he, he tries to help us um, uh, hone our craft. So he has a lot of pointers for us sometimes. Although after that human milk thing, you really shouldn't be giving us any <laughs> pointers. But um, uh, almost as bad as some of Barry's things, huh? <laughs> for those of you that remember Barry. But anyways, so uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of good illustrations, stuff like that, you know. And um, I think humans are funny. I was thinking about how funny humans are. You know, we can have all kinds of weird things happen in our life. Um, this week I was at a friend's uh, store and I was helping him with some stuff. And I sat down in his office and I'm sitting there and there's two or three of us sitting there. And the chair that I'm in all of a sudden breaks. And I do a flip backwards. And of course, you know, everybody's like, hey, are you okay, okay? And the first thing out of your mouth is, I mean, you could be bleeding, but you're going to say, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> right? And I, you know, that's our nature because of our pride and because of our embarrassment and all those kinds of things that when things happen in our life, um, the first thing out of our mouth, because again, we don't know really to handle that situation. It's not a normal thing that happens when you flip backwards out of your chair is I'm good. And so uh, today I'm going to give you, a, 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 we're going to work, look at a verse that is really my favorite verse. If you were ever in my Sunday school class, you heard this verse a lot. Sorry, Sunday school class, you're going to get it again because I haven't got to talk about it for a long time. But my favorite verse is Romans 8, 28. And Paul in there, he really talks a lot about something in particular about things working together for good, right? And, uh, you know, uh, as believers, we go through life and... Um, Sometimes things don't feel like they're good, but Paul says all things work together for good, right? And so there's this, this um, tension between the reality of what Paul is saying and the reality of what God is doing and then what we see going on around us in our life sometimes that we can't put into the, necessarily into the category of good. And so we're going to read today in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 28. We're going to read my favorite verse. And it says, And we know that to them that love God, all things work together for good, even to them that are called according to his purpose. So, so many times uh, when people have been going through difficult times, I have co quoted that verse to them. And I, I think about that sometimes, that it might seem like it's a little bit flippant because they're going through some tragedy in their life. And like I said, we don't always uh, experience things that feel good, right? I mean, you know, you get, you get a notification that you or someone you love has cancer or that someone has been in a car wreck or that uh, there's a divorce or that there's uh, some kind of situation that's difficult, like with a child or uh, with some other loved one, or a, a situation at work where there's tension and there's a problem, and you might lose your job, or uh, you might lose your income, or you might lose your house. Uh, all kinds of things that can happen in these lives that just doesn't line up with that whole all things work together for good, right? And so we, as believers, we really want to believe that all things work together for good, but we struggle sometimes, even as believers and followers of Christ, with the reality of the evil going on around us, for example, in our society and in our culture and in our world. 
And you might have some lost person say, you know, I don't believe in God because, you know, how would he let all of these evil things happen in this world, right? And so they kind of discount God that way. And as a believer, we're thinking, no, but all things work together for good. And we know that God is sovereign and that he's in control of every situation that's going on around us. And that, you know, there's no uh, chance or something happening uh, haphazardly that God orchestrates all things according to his will, right? And so, again, we again have this tension between what we see sometimes going on around us and what, the God, what God said in his word. So uh, Chaucer said, uh, here's another thing. Even if things are going good, we think it's not going to last, right? Chaucer said, all good things must come to an end. And then there's the great country legend Merle Haggard. He said, uh, uh, are, there, are the good days really over for good, right? So we have this mindset of even if things are good, that something's going to happen to mess it up. I'm going to mess it up. Somebody else is going to mess it up. Some situation is going to take place where all this good stuff that's going on is going to end. But I, I want to point you to the person who wrote this verse, but we know that all things work together for good. It was the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul had a different life than, than we have. You know, we think sometimes we have difficulties, but Paul went through so many difficulties in his life after he became a professing believer and a follower of Christ. It was kind of insane how much he went through. And he, he lists some of those things because some other Christians were kind of bragging about their spiritual position. And Paul said, you think you've got something to talk about? He said, I'm going to speak like a fool. I'm going to act like you. But here's, here's the things I've been through. And then he lists a whole bunch of things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea. Danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger, in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there was the daily pressure on me of my anxiety of all the churches. Paul did not have an easy life serving Jesus. Paul went through so many difficulty things and so frequently not having a place to sleep or to stay while he was serving the Lord, not having food to eat, being beaten multiple times, being stoned. I want you to think about that for a minute, being stoned, being imprisoned, and ultimately being killed in prison for his faith and beheaded. That's the guy that wrote, all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. That's the guy who how could Paul say that in light of the circumstances and the situations in which he found himself so many times? How could he say all of this, all these difficulties, all these things that are beyond comprehension that the normal person would never want to endure, all of it works together for my benefit and for my good because it's God's purpose for my life? Hard to understand, isn't it? 
But it comes from, again, Paul's correct viewpoint of the reality of what God was doing in his life and what this, ver- what this verse really meant. Despite all these hardships, here's what Paul knew. God was working everything for his good. Paul knew that. There was an assurance that Paul could make this this statement to the church at Rome about difficulties, again, working for his benefit and for his good. He trusted God enough to understand that God was doing something beyond what was going on in the circumstances of his daily life. Even in the most difficult times of his life, he looked to God and the reality of God and what God was doing at the bigger picture. And so sometimes that's the problem with us as believers is that we begin to, I think of, always think about Peter when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water and he said, Lord, bid me come. He said, come. And, and Peter's keeping his eyes on Jesus and he's, uh, he's walking on the water, right? His faith is intact. And then he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the waves and looks at the sea and looks at the turmoil and looks at the crashing uh, thunder. Here's the crashing thunder and the lightning, all that. And down he goes, right? And as believers, we're in that same kind of a boat where, again, we're not really getting a clear understanding of what all things work together for good is about. We, we, we look at what the world says good should be, right? Good should be that I have plenty of retirement, that my kids all grow up to be uh, ben- uh, beneficial people to society and that they, you know, they have healthy life and I have grandkids and I have uh, a nice car and my house is paid off and, and we might list all these things about what good looks like to us because it's, again, uh, orchestrated by the culture and by what the world says good looks like instead of what God says good looks like. We use the wrong definition of good in this verse. And when we pray with using this verse in mind, Lord, you know, you're going to work this out for me. You're going to work it out where it's good for me, right? So we use God like a genie in a bottle a little bit. We're going to rub the lamp and quote the verse and say, you know, God's going to make all this come together for my benefit and the benefit that I, devi- that I define and that I desire. But that's not what Paul was talking about here either. But here's what I want you to know. When you leave here today, I want you to know this, that as a follower of Christ, no matter what's going on in your life, because it's not all going to look good, you're going to be all right. No matter what's going on in your life, according to the reality of God working in your life, you're going to be okay. You're going to be good. But I've got cancer. You're going to be good. But my wife is leaving me. You're going to be good. But my children don't know the Lord. You're going to be good. But my country is going to hell in a handbasket. You're going to be good. Because the reality is God is doing something bigger than all that. And God takes those things and uses them for the good that he's going to accomplish in your life. You know, we, are, we live in a fallen world. Uh, all those things I just mentioned are not about what uh, God has allowed. It's about what we have chosen when we rebelled against him as a people, right? And so, again, God, even in that, takes our rebellion and turns it for our benefit and for our good. God is at work to, again, take the brokenness of our lives, take the evil that is present, take all those things that come about because of our sinful nature and our choice to rebel against him, and he turns it for our benefit and for our good. That's the good that Paul is talking about here. Not the temporal good of today and what we want now, but the eternal God, uh, good of what God is going to accomplish in our lives. And so, again, how did Paul know 
that God was working all these things, all these imprisonments and beatings and rejection of his people and rejection of his family and rejection of his citizenship and all kinds of things going on in his life. How did Paul know that all this was working for his good? Where did this assurance come from that he could make this statement? Well, first of all, it's because God demonstrates the reality of, his, of the good in his life. This we know here in this verse, we know that all things work together for good, that we know the Greek, it's a verb there, and it says, to have seen and to know. Paul says we know, and that verb is saying to know because we have seen. It refers to a past active seeing with the present effect of knowing what was seen. We know, when we observe something, now we know it, right? Paul had seen the goodness of God and God working things out for his benefit in his life and in the lives of others. He had seen it, and so therefore he knew it to be true. He had witnessed it. To have seen something in the past becomes to know something in the present. And Paul said, for we know that all things work together for good. Paul looked back through the annuals of time at all that God had done to work about the good in the lives of his people. Think about all the historical stories that we have found in Scripture from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you think that they felt going into the furnace was a good thing? But God meant it for good, right? Did you think that Daniel going into the lion's den? Did you think that, uh, oh, I don't know, Noah uh, spending all those years building an ark when everyone ridiculed him and then being locked up? You ever been locked up with a bunch of animals in a barn or yard and things like that, you know, they, uh, but God meant it for his good. God worked it out for his good. God worked it out for his benefit. And God throughout the annuals of time has intervened in the lives of men and women and has worked the circumstances and the situations of their life for good to bring them to a point where God wants them to be. You know, again, we don't like to hear the verse about you're going to have trials, tribulations, and testings of your faith. We'd like to skip that part of our Christianity. But the reality is that God uses those things in our life for our good, to mature us spiritually, to draw us closer to him, to demonstrate his power and glory in our life. And so, again, God is about doing the business of bringing it about for our good. Now, the other thing is we can be like Paul. We can look back at what happened before. But like Paul, we can also look at the things that God has done in our life that he's working about for our good. Paul had the evidences in his own life of God's work. And we can look back at the things that God has done in our life. Now, here's the big one, though, that ties this all together about this is being uh, done for our good. We, we can look at the good that's being done through the personal work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. We can see that very clearly through the vision of the cross and what Jesus did for me and for you. It didn't look good when Jesus had to go to the cross, but when we look back at God's work and what he was accomplishing there, it is definitely for our good that he hung on that cross. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. And sometimes it means a cross. Sometimes it means a hardship. Sometimes it means a tribulation. Sometimes it means a heartache, a heartbreak, a disappointment. On and on the list can go. On and on the influences and impacts of what can impact our lives. But God, again, is in control. Nothing is happening outside of his will for your life. And he's ultimately taking you to a place for your good.
So we have that. We know the goodness of God in our own life because we see it and because he's clearly demonstrated to us. So today is my 29th wedding anniversary. Pretty good, huh? Definitely, I have to, I have to earn some brownie points right here, but it's true. Definitely God gave me a woman who was good for me, right? He blessed me. But today is also a second, uh, or not today, but in February, I celebrate a second anniversary. I'm going to talk to you about the goodness of God in my life for just one minute. So 35 years ago in February 28th, 1988, I nearly died. I had a traumatic event in my life. I fell over 75 feet in a climbing, a freak climbing accident where a rock face broke away from me. Let me tell you something. I didn't feel like that was working together for my good. It was rough. It was painful. It took a long time to recover from that. I have lots of metal parts. I have arthritis. I have, but you know what? They didn't think I was going to live. They didn't think I would be here. They called my mother in Ohio and said, your son's probably not going to make it. You need to get here, but he's probably not going to make it. And then uh, when we figured out that I was going to make it, they're like, well, we're probably going to have to amputate his leg and amputate his arm. And, I, you know, I thought to myself, this is not good. I told the doctor, I said, I just, I just don't think I can live with that. It's not good, right? So, you know, I've known God since I was uh, three days before I turned five is when I trusted the Lord as my Savior, right? I, I know all the promises. I know all the verses. I know all the work that God has done in my life. But in that moment of time, things just didn't look good to me, Right? And for a year, things were bad. I, I spent th over three months in a wheelchair. I spent another three months on crutches. I spent another three months on a cane. I spent another year rehabilitating and getting back to the point. But you know what? God used that for my good. <laughs> I would never want to go through it again. <laughs> but I would never not go through it. Because God used it for my benefit. And he's done that with many things in my life. Difficult things. It helps mold me and fashion me into the Christian that he wants me to be, into the follower of Christ. It helps me trust him more fully and more completely than if I'd never had that tragedy. We've all experienced tragedy in our life. Lost loved ones. Broken hearts. Broken lives. Broken marriages. Wayward children, pain, death, sickness, sorrow, so much, right? But I'm going to tell you something. God will use it for your good. So 28 years ago, God taught me the lesson about his goodness. About his goodness. He brought me through it. You'd never know that if I didn't tell you, right? I complain a little bit because I'm stiff and cranky. But at 50, I became a fireman, right? The guy who said they would never walk without a limp, never run again. Look what God did with me. Here I am today because of God's goodness. Now, it doesn't always turn out that way, right? Sometimes people have a tragedy like that and they die. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's still for their goodness. God is still being good to them. He's taking them home. He's taking them to eternity. And so, again, everything works together for good. So, 
The next thing I want to point to is God demonstrates the reality of his good to the Apostle Paul. So Paul could write Romans 8.28. But God also defines the good that's going on in our life. God defines the good. All things work together for good in our life because it's not about what we want, but it's about what God wants. And guess what? What God wants for you and for me is really good. You know, we look again about what we want in this temporal life, but God is looking at what he wants for us for all of eternity. To be redeemed. To be in relationship, restored relationship with him. To spend all of eternity around him in his presence for all of eternity. Not separated from him for all of eternity like those who reject him. So again, God defines the good. And again, we want to sometimes substitute God what we think is good in there. Lord, Lord, can't you give me this kind of good? And when we do that, here's what we're doing. We're asking God to do something inferior on our behalf than what he intends to do for me and you. We want to, we want to put a cheap substitute in the place of the ultimate good that God is bestowing on our life. We want to trade out good, a level of good that is temporal, that will not last, that will have no eternal benefit for the eternal good that God is doing in our life. Man, why would we do that? But we do it all the time. Our, you know why we can say that and how we can notice that? Look at your prayer life and what you ask God for. Just look at it. You, you, is, it, is it okay to ask God to, to do things for us in our life that we would like to have done? No. But don't put it in place of the ultimate good and goal that God has for you. Recognize the good that God's trying to do in your life has, again, an eternal purpose. What is that purpose? He says all things work together for good, uh, again, that are called according to his purpose. God defines the purpose of your life and the good in your life. And he calls you to that purpose, to that good, not to the things that the world offers, not to the things that culture offers, but to the things that God has called you to that he has for your benefit. Again, God defines the good. What is that good? Well, Paul goes on to tell us in the next verse. Let me read that to you real quick as we begin to close. It says, For whom he foreknew, he also foreordained to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom he foreordained, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What is God trying to do ultimately for your good? He's trying to do for you what he's done for his son. Jesus went and sat down on the right hand of the Father, and he is now glorified for all of eternity, right? God's bringing you into a position just like a son, just like an heir, just like Jesus, a position of glorification where forever you are what you should be, what he created you to be, and what he intended you to be, and what sin destroyed. God restores you to that. That's what God's doing in your life for your good. Eternity is the good that God works all things out for on your behalf. It is the ultimate goal, and it is the ultimate good that God is doing for you. Eternity. Again, good is about more than a moment in time. It's about the, your outcome of eternity. So we want to, again, make good temporal, and we need to put good in the perspective of eternity. Here's the reality. If you and I define what good is, it would go something like this. Lord, could you give me, well, first off, I'd like to win the lotto. 
And by the way, Lord, if I win the lotto, I will help build the new church building at First Baptist Church, right? And, uh, and then, you know, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to live a long time. I'd like to be healthy. Uh, I'd like to go to the Bahamas a couple of times. You know, we start putting all these kinds of things in there. Maybe, maybe it is, you know, uh, not all selfish. Maybe it is, uh, you know, good would be, Lord, if you would just bless all my family and everything would be perfect in their lives and they would have no troubles and, uh, you know, you would give them good health. And, you know, so maybe our, our good spills out into the lives of others. But the reality is what we're looking for is what eternity is going to be. And we're never going to have that here. And so, again, uh, our version of good would be inferior to what God is giving us. Lastly, Paul could, with um, great confidence, write, all things work together for good for, to them who love the Lord because he realized the reality that God accomplishes the good. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It's not up to me. It's not up to my strength. It's not up to my resources. It's not up to my power, my abilities, my talent, my treasure. Because you know what? None of that will get the job done. None of that will give lasting good in my life. I might be able to make a minuscule impact here and there along the way. But if it's up to me, things are not going to turn out good. In most cases, they do not ever turn out good. I mess it up over and over and over. But I don't have to worry about the good that's going on in my life because God is at work in my life. Let me just point this out to you. It is the Lord God who said, let there be light. That's the God who is at work in my life and in your life for our good. It is the omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty God working all things. Let me just say this. What does all mean? It means all. It means everything. There is nothing going on in my life, even though I don't understand it, even though it might be painful, even though it might depress me, even though that it might sadden me, even though that it might uh, uh, hurt me and harm me. There is nothing going on in my life that is out of the control of my all-powerful God who is working it all together for my good. You know what? That's why you can say this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because he's working everything out for my good. And what I do in my life is because of the goodness of God. Man, don't go through life with your head low thinking, woe is me. God is working for your good and your ultimate glorification. And he will bring you to a place of goodness for all of eternity. Man, this world is not my home. Don't let this world discourage you. Don't let it bring you down. Don't let the news media, don't let society, don't let culture, don't let politics, don't let COVID, don't let any of those things take you off the track that God is working for you. God accomplishes the good. So Paul was so confident. It's not, it's not dependent on us, our abilities, or our resources. So today as we close, here's what I want you to know again. So as a follower of Christ, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter the fact that you cannot see your way clear or through, no matter what's going on in your life, you're going to be all right. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer as we begin to have our invitation. Lord, 
Help us to trust you the way Paul did. Lord, he said all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. God, that is a reality for every believer. I pray, Father, that you will help us believe that word, not just quote it, not just be flippant about it, but to, to understand and to recognize the work that you're doing on our behalf. God, we thank you for it. We ask this in your name. Amen.